Hey everyone, this is Michael, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Take What You Like and Leave the Rest, the January 1st, 2020 edition. It's a brand new year. Um, it's a brand new podcast. Uh, I took some time away to kind of formulate how I was going to start doing these podcasts. Um and what I wanted to say and how I wanted to express myself. Um, I'm also in the process of either doing a blog or um, putting together some kind of ebook that I'd like to um, send out to subscribers and to members. So those are things I wanted to work on before fully launching into take what you like and leave the rest. Now, you probably saw the description of today's podcast and um, thought to yourself, what the I Yeah, because the title is, wait, I'm dating my mother? Um, like I said, I'm sure you, you did a double take when you read this, but I, I promise there is a method to my madness. So when I was growing up with an alcoholic parent, there were some advantages and some disadvantages. Now, one of the advantages of growing up with an alcoholic parent was my mom, my mom didn't own a car. And luckily for us, the liquor store was about maybe five blocks away. And so whenever she felt that she needed to get into that space. And I'm sure some of you know exactly what space I'm talking about. Um, she would say, hey, Michael, let's go to the store. And I would get excited because I knew exactly what that meant. And um, this was during the mid 70s and early 80s. I would walk to the store with my mom. And so when we get to the store, you know, being a kid, the first thing you say is, hey, mom, can I get this? And she'd say, yeah, your your limit is $1.25. And for those of you who are old enough, you knew you can get like lots of stuff for $1.25. So for that $1.25, I would get like either a bottle or a can of soda, I would get a bag of chips, and I would get, like, my favorite thing to eat were ding-dongs, and I'd get some ding-dongs, and that would be, like, around the $1.25. So, that was an advantage for me, knowing full well later on, after my mom would drink to excess, that there was going to be hell to pay for it. Right. So I in that time period, I, I developed abandonment. I developed shame, guilt and insecurity issues. And as the years went by, this kind of played itself out in how I saw women and how I dated. Um, I ended up choosing women with the same afflictions and wondered why things never seem to work out for us in the end. Um, three years ago, 
I, I took an inventory of who I am and my behaviors. And I came to realize that I dated and I married a woman with the same traits that my mother had. I was recreating my childhood by being in relationships that were uh, destructive and hoping that the results would turn out differently. Um, to some of these women, or, or, or actually in my mind and in my spirit, I, I was thinking that I'd be their hero or their savior. You know, I tended to date women who had financial problems, uh, baby daddy issues, substance abuse or poor self-esteem so my ex-wife and I are our prime example of some of the diabolical ways that my mother's alcoholism had crept its way into our marriage so when I met my ex-wife she was in the process of leaving her previous husband now, that should have been like a big red flag for me. She's in a relationship with a man already living in a home, and she's married to this man, and she's on a dating site, and I'm on a dating site, and that should have been a red flag for me, but to me, this was amazing. So... um she would, she and I would like be on the phone for like hours talking about our past relationships and things and, and how things, how people had done us wrong and, and how much that we had in common with each other. And so within a month of meeting this woman, she had moved into my bachelor pad. And then within that year, she was able to get us to move into a wet bedroom apartment. And then the year after that, we ended up leaving and moving into a rented two bedroom house. So all this is done. And like she, she wanted to be in charge of everything. And me being who I was allowed her to be in charge of everything I allowed her to be like just like my parent she was the parent she was in charge of making sure that the move went through and and you know we had a place to stay and and I didn't put up a fight whatsoever to say you know why am I moving this is my place and like I said from the beginning go we should have never even dated like she was already in a relationship she was already married what I should have done was been like, look, if you're divorced and still available, I'm all for it. But I was so encapsulated by my, you know, her beauty and all that stuff that I didn't think clearly. And I was in my addiction, right? I was in my love addiction. And so it, it played itself out. So when we would argue with each other, you know, our arguments really were over her insecurities that she had. Um, 
I really don't know how she reacted with her her ex-husband before me because the stories she told me benefited her, right? So she didn't tell me, hey, I have insecurities. This is what I tended to be insecure about. It was always, it was his fault because he did this and he did that. So whenever we would get into arguments, it would be over her insecurities. Now, her insecurities were of me talking to anyone who was a female. Now, she was okay with my sister, but if it was someone that I knew like an old friend that I grew up with, um, that was our big fight. That was like the first really big fight that we had. Um, I had emailed an old friend uh, who was female because I knew her brother and I were really good friends, right? That's how I knew her was from her brother. So I emailed her to talk about her brother and she went snooping around and found the email. Now, see, that was red flag number two because if she was going to be snooping around, I should have been like, I got to set a boundary. This was a private email, you know, about a friend. It had nothing to do with me wanting to be with anyone. I just wanted to know how she and her family were doing. They had lived on our block. I had known them since I was a kid. We're adults now. I know her brother. That's all it was about. But it turned into this huge argument where she claimed I was cheating on her. And there was really nothing in the email that even came close to suggesting that I was looking to cheat. But you know something? That didn't matter to her. So after we would have all these arguments, you know, the little kid in me would feel ashamed, like I did something wrong, you know, and I had to be punished for my behavior. And she would treat me that way too. She always treated me like, you know, you need to go in the corner or you need, it, she, that's not what she said, but it had that feel to it. Like, you know, she would get in her car and leave for like four or five hours and then come back. And, you know, of course, you know, I would bend over backwards trying to make up for something I didn't even do. Right. And, um, you know, I would I would really think of ways to make up for what I had done, you know, which is the thing that I would do as a kid. I would I would get in trouble with my mom for like the stupidest things when she had been drinking and she'd be like, um, you forgot to close the bathroom door. You are such a bad kid. You need, you know, I need to beat you and I need to do this. And you, it would make you, it would make me feel a certain way. And so this is the way I was feeling with my ex-wife. You know, I would spend like eternity trying to apologize you know, or make up for whatever it is that I did wrong. And in the end, no matter what I did, you know, to try to fix it, it, it just wouldn't help. Um, the good thing is, though, 
Uh, after doing some inventory work on my behavior uh, within the last few years, I came to realize that I either dated or I married women like my mother. So I guess my mother's gift was the gift that kept on giving. Now, in addition, in addition to the uh, work I've been doing in the in 12-step programs, I'm in three. Um, I started off with Al-Anon and then uh, moved over to SLAW, which is Sex and Love um, Addicts Anonymous. And now I am with Adult Children of Alcoholics. And through these programs, I've made a conscious uh, effort to be aware of my behavior 24 hours a day, uh, except when I'm asleep, of course, because, you know, you're asleep, you don't, you're not, you know what I'm talking about. But when I'm awake, I'm fully aware of what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and how it's making me feel. Um, I've learned to forgive myself for any kind of mistakes that I've made in the past, um, in the present, and what I may or may not do in the future. And uh, I'm going to discuss more about that in detail later in, in future podcasts. We'll be talking more about forgiveness and mistakes and, and how to work through those. And I, I've realized that I am a work in progress. I'm always going to be striving to be a better version of myself today than I was yesterday. I'm going to be a better version of myself uh, in 2021 than I was in 2020. So, you know, I, I, I not, I, I'm probably, I'm never going to make that mistake of, of being with women that were like my mom, because that's something that I did to kind of replay my childhood and, and replay my, my adolescence and it crept into my adulthood and, and I'm at an age now where that doesn't suit me anymore it doesn't work for me so I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining uh, today's podcast uh, I'm going to be doing these I'm going to do a podcast once a month so this is podcast number one for 2021 and I look forward to um, doing more of these because I have lots of content that I want to I want to give to you and hopefully this helps someone out who may or may not be going through the same things or they know someone who's going through the same things and you may want to share this with them. So thank you very much and I look forward to um, talking to you again soon. All right. Thank you and take care.